Welcome back to Digital Leadership with Brandon Cox. That's me, and this is where I get to talk about life, leadership, and even share some digital marketing insights from time to time. I've decided to launch this podcast with a series of episodes all about what's killing leadership. I think that we're seeing leaders go down. They're being taken out. Leaders sometimes take themselves out. Uh, sometimes the cultural dynamics around them tend to eliminate them. But I, I know that we have never needed good leadership more than we do today. And so it kills me when I see how many leaders are falling by the wayside. And I want to prevent that. I, I want us to do all that we can to stop that from happening. So the question in this series is, what, what's killing your leadership? We started out in week one talking about identity issues and how when a leader doesn't know who he or she is, that can be very dangerous in their organization and their life. Uh, we also talked about burnout and the problem of living life out of rhythm and just sort of uh, living out of balance, overcommitting ourselves to too many different things that aren't in alignment with our purpose. Today, I want to talk about something that is especially dear to my heart. It is maybe somewhat controversial, depending on your perspective. I do think some of the things I'm going to say today might alienate some listeners, and I'm okay with that. I feel very strongly about these particular issues. I want to talk about depression. I want to talk about anxiety. And I want to talk about those related issues that we might struggle with in our mental and emotional health. And I want to start out by just kind of sharing my story with you. When I go back a decade in my life, or a little bit more than a decade, I go back to a time when I struggled with depression. I was burning out, but that led to depression. It surfaced, it highlighted depression that I was struggling with in my own life. If I'm really honest, there were moments where I did not want to go on living, where I really thought the world and my family and everybody around me would just be better off without me. That was not healthy, that was not correct. Uh, that was not a right way of thinking, but it's where I was in certain very low moments of my life. So I have been down this pathway uh, and have fought back, have been brought back by the grace of God to a, a much healthier place now, um, but I still struggle from time to time. And none of us are immune to this. And I think if you think you're immune to it, then you are the most susceptible to the most dangerous kind of mental health issue, and that is where we live in ignorance of it, and it takes us out, and we didn't see it coming. So I want to talk about this for your benefit and for the benefit of people at large, leaders and mental health issues, leaders and depression. I believe some of the greatest leaders in history have struggled with depression. They've struggled with anxiety. They've struggled with personality disorders. They've struggled with mental health and, and emotional health issues, and that does not disqualify someone from leadership. It doesn't disable someone from leading well. It's just a hindrance that we have to learn to deal with in a very honest way, where we need a lot of grace and a lot of support and a lot of help. But I believe that we can lead and struggle, that we can struggle and that we can lead. So I want to jump into this issue. Okay, what as I jump in... The first thing I want to tackle is, is sort of the elephant in the room, and that is that when it comes to talking about mental health, period, but especially in relationship to leaders, and I'm a pastor, a church leader, so when we start talking about church leaders and we start talking about depression and mental health issues, 
there are lots of problems surrounding this, a lot of stigma surrounding the issue of mental health, mental health and leaders, mental health and the church, mental health and the kingdom. And those stigmas stem from some very unhealthy ways of talking about this issue that I want to just address head on. First of all, some of us maybe came from a generation or a culture or an atmosphere or a home or an upbringing that kind of taught us and drilled into our minds that we're not supposed to talk about this, that you can struggle with that alone, uh, but don't bring it to the forefront. Don't talk to other people about it. Don't get help. Just deal with it. Just just choose to get by. Just choose to be happy. Uh, don't even acknowledge that it might be depression or a mental health issue. Just struggle with it. And I think there, the stigma that, that kind of surrounds that is that there's something wrong with me, that it's a, a weakness in the sense of being a character flaw, or it's something that makes me less than other people if I struggle with depression, that if I walk into a room full of people, I can't lead or influence those people anymore if I struggle with depression. And that's simply not true. I, I really believe that you impress people by your strengths but you influence them when you embrace your weaknesses and share them authentically. Not necessarily being transparent about all the details of your life with everyone that you meet, but when you are authentically you, including your weaknesses, people tend to connect with that way better than someone who seems to have it all together. So if you're carrying out that stigma of this is just something we don't talk about, you got to stop because it's not helping, all right? Second big stigma surrounding mental health is this is just a faith issue. It's just a matter of either thinking more positively or getting closer to God or, or praying more it's a faith issue, and if you're depressed, if you're sad, you're just not a very good Christian, you just don't have a lot of faith, you're just not very close to Jesus, or you just don't think very positively. We almost take depression and consider it kind of the negative spirituality, whereas positive thinking and faith, those are the positive spirituality. And again, nothing could be further from the truth. God relates strongly and gives comfort to and stands beside those who are depressed, those who struggle with mental health challenges and issues, okay? Uh, so it's not just a, a faith issue. The third stigma is the one where I might alienate a couple of people, um, and, and I'm okay with that. I don't want to alienate you. I do want to wake you up, and I want to be very blunt about this because I feel so strongly about it. And that is the people who say, essentially, it's a sin issue. There's a whole branch of counseling, newthetic counseling, and I know some guys that do this, and they do a very good job with it, okay? But uh, for a, a very large number of people who come from this particular school of thought, it is that there is no such thing as a chemical imbalance. There's no such thing as a mental health issue per se. It's all spiritual. It's all about sin. And if there's a problem in your life, if you're depressed, it's it's ultimately because of a lack of repentance, a lack of being right with God. And so if you go and see someone who gives you medication for depression, they are just medicating over your sin issue. And there's a whole school of thought out there that that really believes this stuff. And I want to just say it's bunk. It's dangerous. How many more people have to die? 
How many more people have to be hospitalized? How many more people have to suffer with, with huge mental health issues before we stop saying things like this? You, you cannot, to, to me, if you believe the Bible and you believe it's the source of truth and wisdom, then you know that the Bible describes how God created us and that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. So when I study neuroscience, I am studying God's creation. So when we talk about chemical imbalances or we talk about you know synapses in the brain that are created through trauma, when we talk about chemical addiction, when we talk about brain issues, mind, mental health issues, we are not talking about non-spiritual things. We're not talking about sin issues. We're talking about human issues. We're talking about living in a world that is broken and where we tend to to either flee or fight as kind of a survival instinct when we're at our lowest, when we're at our weakest, when we feel the most threatened. And because of that, we often shut down or medicate or check out or whatever. And that a lot of times that is the result of having been through trauma, having been through something that was done to us that, that we didn't choose at all. Sometimes it's genetics. Sometimes it's just, it's the way we were born. It's a family history. It's something that we carry from generation to generation. And it's not just a sin issue. So let me just cut through all this stigma and say mental health issues are real issues. They're human issues. They're people issues. They're relational issues. And we've got to stop talking in ways that ultimately keep people trapped and keep people in hiding. Instead, we need to create a better atmosphere. So I want to get into here for a second some solutions. First of all, just solutions in general, solutions in the church, solutions among leaders. And then I want to talk about solutions for you if you struggle. But let me start out more generally and just talk about ways I believe the church should approach this, ways that I believe leaders in general should approach this. Uh, First of all, I believe that we need to be more educated about it. Uh, Again, that we need to understand that there are uh, extremely wise, smart, trustworthy people who are constantly studying the way the brain works. They're constantly looking at why people make the decisions the way they do, why people feel what they feel, why people think the way they do, why they relate to people the way they do, how addiction works. And I know it's not an exact science. It's not all nailed down. There are lots of different opinions and schools of thought, even among therapists. I I get that. I totally understand that. But I also know that there are some basics that we need to embrace and be educated about, and that is that brain health is a, is a health issue. If I, if I came to you and said, man, my liver is acting up, I'm in liver failure, you wouldn't go, well, what sin is in your life that you need to confess and repent of? Uh, you, you probably wouldn't say, well, you just need to have more faith and pray more, and then your liver, liver will be fine. Now, can God miraculously heal my liver? Sure he can. He's God. Okay. Can he miraculously instantly take away depression? Well, he can, but most of the time that's not the way it works. Most of the time he allows us to struggle and grow, to learn and grow, to struggle and get stronger through the struggle and it's long-term and it's lifetime and it's a real thing. So we need to be more educated about this. Uh, I also believe that we need to celebrate authenticity more. Uh, in other words, when someone comes forward and says, hey, I struggle with this, instead of alienating them, 
Instead of acting weird about it, instead of pushing them to the fringe, we need to celebrate their authenticity, to celebrate the act of opening up. Because the more people open up, the more we can help people. The less people open up, the more people die. Okay, So we need to celebrate authenticity and encourage opening up. We also need to create atmospheres that are safe spaces, where it's okay not to be okay. Now, I'm convinced that the church ought to be the safest place in the, in the, in the world. For someone to come forward and talk about addiction, for someone to come forward and talk about mental health issues, for someone to come and say, I'm depressed, I don't know why, I can't seem to recover my joy, uh, the, the church ought to be the safest place in the world to talk about that. But instead, sometimes we, get, we wind up with just sort of a shame-based atmosphere, and instead we need to create a place where it's okay not to be okay, where it's okay to talk about these things and to struggle together and not be alienated or ostracized because we struggle with something that is physical, mental, and emotional in nature. We also need to get help and encourage others to do the same. In other words, it needs to become part of our regular language that we are recommending and moving people toward getting help, that, we, that we're able and willing to refer people to counselors, to therapists, to their medical doctors, to psychiatrists, to talk to people who are trained in this field that we encourage people to get help, that we create an atmosphere where that is celebrated and supported, okay? So just in general, I think the church has got to get way better about this. In fact, I want to recommend a resource. Uh, it is it is simply Mental Health and the Church, uh, and it's a place where you can go and just begin to uh, explore a little bit more about... Um, why it is that the church has struggled with this and where we need to go in the future and some resources like Celebrate Recovery and counseling options and so forth and so on. We, we need to dig into this and create an atmosphere where it's okay to get help. Now let me shift my focus even further and talk to you if you struggle. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a leader who struggles with depression, with anxiety, uh, and, and maybe you feel all alone, I, I want to just share some words with you that I think are really important for you to hear and for you to know. And before I dig into this, let me clarify, I am not a trained counselor. I am not a therapist. I don't have initials at the end of my name that indicate that I've been to school or through training for this. Okay, I'm married to a therapist who's wonderful, but that does not qualify me to give you official mental health advice. I recommend that you talk to your doctor, that you talk to a therapist, a counselor, that you, that you talk to trained professionals about this. I am sharing with you my personal perspective out of my story, out of my experience, and out of what I know as a pastor and just as a friend. Having been down this road, having been there, Having, having helped a lot of other people through this, these are words from my heart for you, okay? They're, they're not words of official um, diagnosis or advice. These are just words from my heart for you if you struggle. First of all, I want to encourage you to focus on what you know to be true. Uh, focus on what you know to be true. In other words, your emotions are not a reliable source of your worth, uh, your, your emotions are not a reliable source on which you make life-size decisions, okay? Uh, whether we're talking about a, an enormous decision about 
your marriage, for example, or taking your own life. Those are life-size, life-and-death decisions. Or if we're talking about smaller decisions, our emotions are just not a good, reliable source of, of decision-making power in our lives. Okay, So you got to focus not on the way that you feel. You have to focus on what you know to be true, what is objectively true. And one of the things that is objectively true is that you are never alone. First of all, other people suffer. Okay, you are not alone in this. I sometimes tell people who walk into our church, there, you know, 500 people may come on a Sunday, and I can tell anybody in there, there is nothing you struggle with that someone else in this room isn't also struggling with, and and a lot of your struggles are common to everyone else in the room. So you're never alone. Other people suffer too, but you're also never alone in the sense that God is always with you, that He is the God of all comfort. Okay, that that's who He is. In fact, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you about this very thing and just kind of share this from my heart to yours, from the Scripture to your mind, and just remind you of who God is. This is true, and you can focus on this, and in your down moments, you can remember this, okay? This is always true. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, at the beginning of that book, he said this. He said, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is our merciful Father. So the first thing you know is God is merciful, okay? He is our merciful Father, and the Bible says He is the source of all comfort. Literally, He's the God of comfort. He's the God who comforts. Now, that might not be your picture of God. You might picture God as harsh. You might picture God as uh, un, unbending toward our pain. You may picture God as unsympathetic or uninvolved, but the fact is that the truth is God is the God of all comfort. He's the one who comforts. Then he goes on to say, he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. Okay, so here's another truth. God will use your pain. He will use your depression. I can't explain why you're suffering it, but I know that God can use it. I don't know the reason why you suffer what you suffer. I just know that God never wastes your hurt and that your greatest ministry often arises out of your greatest misery, that the things you have suffered from become the very source out of which you serve other people. So when when they're troubled, we'll be able to give uh, them the same comfort God has given us. The Bible goes on to say, for the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. So let me just clarify in the context, Paul is saying that sometimes he suffers persecution. I don't want to remove this passage from that. This is not just about our emotional struggles. This is about all of our struggles, especially the kind of struggles we might go through as a result of our faith. Faith doesn't fix everything. Faith sometimes gets us in more troubles than we anticipated, and yet it's out of those troubles that God brings us comfort and brings us solutions in our lives. So he says, for when we ourselves are comforted, we'll certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. So when you are weighed down with trouble, it is for your comfort and your salvation. 
And he goes on to say that you can patiently endure this. You can get through this. So I know, no matter how I feel today, I know God is good. He is with me. He wants to comfort me. He's going to use my suffering. And I can patiently endure this. I can get through it. Now, sometimes to patiently endure this, I may literally just lay down on the floor on my face and go, God, I can't get up and I don't know what to do and I physically can't seem to move forward. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. We can get through it. Okay. And then the very end of that passage, he says, we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you'll also share in the comfort God gives us. I think there's something to be said for the company of those who struggle. That, that Paul said, when we suffer, we suffer with Christ. Okay, When we suffer, uh, we sort of enter into fellowship with Christ and his sufferings. Now, that doesn't mean that my depression is the same as what Jesus suffered on the cross. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that anytime you suffer anything, you are identifying with the Christ who suffered. Okay, So you got to rely on and focus on what is true, eternally speaking. Here's another big practice in your life. This is something else you have to do and you have to be intentional about. You have to fight for this. You got to give adequate time to yourself, to other people, and to God. Okay? You got to fight for this because you're not always going to feel up to it. But you got to give adequate time for yourself. In other words, you got to divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. You've got to have those retreats, whether it's 30 minutes in the morning or a day off per week, uh, a trip away every year. You, you got to have those times when you reflect, when you clear your mind of, uh, of the stress and the worry, where you sort of escape the pressure long enough to kind of reset and get some strength and get strong again, get to know who you are, recover your identity and your sense of self-worth and self-confidence and so forth. You also, though, have to spend time with people. Listen, it is so easy to isolate because of depression. And I know, I, I know this is hard because depression causes us to want to be with people and then to be terrified of being with people. Like we want, we don't want to miss out, but, but we want to be around people. At the same time, we can't see ourselves being around people. There's so much pressure to perform and, and so much pressure to, to whatever. And so there, there's the scrutiny of people and all that can be so scary. But at the end of the day, you weren't made to have to go through this struggle alone. God didn't design you to battle this by yourself. You need people. You need somebody to reach out to. Not just a counselor. I'm, I'm big on counselors. I'm big on talking to your doctor. But, but I also believe you just you need to get around some friends. You need to get around some family. Now, let me, let me be really careful about this. There are some people you don't need to get around. Like those people who say it's just a sin issue or it's just a faith issue. That doesn't encourage or support or help you in any way. There may even be those who sort of tempt you to stay in depression. They're manipulators. They're controllers. They're people who are shamers. I don't, I'm not encouraging you to hang around those people or to feel obligated to develop relationships with people who are harmful to your mental and emotional well-being. I do believe that you need some people in your life who are safe and you got to seek them out. You got to find them. You got to give time to them and you got to give time to God. You got to open up his word. You got to let the creator speak to you about who you are and about how you are and about how he made you. Okay. So focus on what you know to be true. Give adequate time to yourself, to God, to people, and then also talk to your physician and or a counselor. 
In other words, if you feel like you struggle with depression and anxiety and it's not controllable on your own, it's out of control, it's beyond what you can handle on a day-to-day basis, it's, it's, an, it's affecting the way you live life and make decisions, it's hurting you at work, it's hurting you in your marriage, it's hurting you in your friendships, and you cannot seem to escape it, talk to your physician, talk to a counselor. That's why they went to school, okay? That's why they're there. Uh, they're there to help, and and I believe again we need to encourage people to to think this through, to do this, and, and to lead by example if we are leaders. So talk to people who are trained, and then lastly, don't give up hope. Listen, the world needs you. The world needs you more than you know. You are loved more than you know. You are more valuable than you know. Please don't give up hope. Do not stop believing that there is purpose in your pain. Do not stop believing that you are designed for a purpose. And when you are aligned with your purpose, you you may not always be happy emotionally in the moment, but it's always possible and always hopeful that we can go on living and living out our purpose and leading. You can do this. You can handle this struggle. There is, there is never a moment where it is too much for you to survive. We need you not to check out. You are always better alive. Your, your family is always better off with you here. The people you know and love are always better off with you here. The, the leaders uh, around you, the people that you lead are better off with you here. Do not give up hope. You know, I, I realize that sometimes people might listen to this podcast who are not Christians, they're not believers, and I respect that. I welcome that. I, I want people to listen to this who maybe don't have the same uh, faith-based perspective that I do. But I do have to share just as a personal testimony that since the day I met Jesus Christ as my Savior and invited and began a relationship with Him and invited Him into my life, from that day forward, I've never lived a single day in which I didn't have hope. Paul said elsewhere in the New Testament, we don't sorrow as others who have no hope. We grieve and we sorrow as people with hope. Uh, I believe that we walk through depression with hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, because he's our savior, because he's coming again, because of my perspective on the future. So I'm not saying that you have to be a Christian in order to struggle with depression well. I'm not saying you have to be a Christian in order to get through this or or for your life to matter. What I'm saying is that becoming a Christian, trusting in Jesus, is a source of eternal, day in, day out, unbreakable, unshakable hope and love. And that when we are experiencing God's grace on a daily basis, we get to go on living, we get to go on living with hope. So do not give up hope. Okay. I hope if, if this is something you struggle with, you'll reach out. You can always reach out to me. Again, I'm not a trained professional mental health counselor or, or care provider, but I'm always happy to share out of my story and out of my experiences just personal advice. So you can reach out to me through brandonacox.com. Uh, shoot me an email there. Uh, Let me know what's going on in your life. Share this with somebody. If you know a leader who struggles with depression, please get this into their hands. Share this podcast with them and just say, hey, here's a word of encouragement. You're not alone and and you're not uh, not 
you're not totally out of bounds here, that you can lead and you can do this, that some of the greatest leaders in history have been people who have struggled with depression and mental health issues, that this is not new and it's not just you, that it's possible to lead and lead well. So please hang in there. Please stay at it. Please get help, get friends, and spend time you know, on your own health and spend time with people, but don't give up. Thanks so much for listening today.